just to be able to be here and celebrate lives that are being changed, a nation that is glad and rejoicing, children that are running from the room screaming right now. I'm kidding. And so uh, I love I love Jesus when he stands in the moments and he says some words like, I am um, the resurrection and the life. And I think that it would be very fitting today to close this service. And um, I'm extraordinarily aware of what time it is. And I know that Easter lunches are on the kettle and all that kind of stuff. And so we kind of knew this was going to happen today. And so we're going to be sensitive to that. But I think I just want to walk out and say, hey, what roadmap can you walk because of today? You know, I mean, there's some there's some roadmaps. Like, seriously, we're going to ask you to respond uh, in just a few minutes by walking out to the atrium and uh, and saying we think a kid in Haiti shouldn't just have a Bible, but should have food year-round because we've met and had Easter, right? I mean, that just seems normal to me. It just seems normal to me that it would be very, um, very normal in church life or to go with our first series here, Ordinary, to meet on Easter Sunday and every kid have a Bible in another country. They wanted one. And so I'm thinking 25, I laugh with Ryan. I said, if you throw this open to our church, we're going to send about 600 Bibles over there. And so why not? The Word of God is alive. And He is the resurrection and the life. And so we're just, we're going to invite you to respond in a few minutes. I just have three thoughts that I want you to respond to in Christ. You know, what it looks like as a result of people who are about the Easter season. And just how we respond to that. And some of you, some of you in your heart, you don't even need this part of the, of the service, you know, where the pastor's up. You've already watched three kids and God is drawing you to himself and you're listening to Taylor and Sammy and Jacobs confess their, their relationship with Christ and you already know you don't have one. And God's just kind of sitting in the room pulling you toward himself and saying, Hey, I came here today not so that we could hide some eggs in about an hour after a really good meal. I came here today so that you could have life in a thousand years. I came here today so that we could, this is Jesus, not me. I came here today so that you could celebrate me for many days. And so 10,000 years from now to go with the great hymn, I would be able to walk with you intimately and know you. And so I think that's what, that's what God is, is creating responses. Some of them are toward, toward Haiti. Some of them are toward children. Some of them are toward what God is doing. And some of you have already responded toward Christ. But many of us in this room are in Jesus Christ right now. And, and, and honestly, a lot of us, um, I just want to give you a pathway to say, look, if, if, if we love God, these three things ought to be happening. These three things ought to be happening. These things ought to happen in our lives. I put it on the back of your notes and, and, and there's nothing profound that's going to be said today. I just think we learn from a couple of people in scripture about how Jesus interacts with us. For instance, when Jesus said he's the resurrection and the life, I love that story. It's the story of Lazarus when Lazarus in the tomb. I don't know how many of you are watching the Bible on the History Channel. It's been amazing. Um, I'm so looking forward to tonight. Uh, and, and really, um, I'm giving this away again. So if you're watching this, I'm giving away the ending. We gave it away last week. Jesus resurrects from the dead. And so it's great news. You know, you can be peaceful through this story. And so I was watching. I love the scene of Lazarus last week. I was just watching Lazarus and Jesus when he was the resurrection and life. I love that Jesus wept in that scenario. One of the best memory verses for all of us Bible believers in the room that Jesus wept. And I don't think he wept because of, of, you know, what was going on with Lazarus. He knew the outcome in a couple of minutes. I think he wept because he knew we're not made for death. 
We are made for eternity. God has wired us to himself and he has wired us to understand that he is the resurrection and the life. And I love that scenario because Jesus stepped in um, to the scene where Lazarus, Lazarus has has already passed away. If you don't know the story, um, the people sent for Jesus. He tarried for a while just to, I think, increase their faith. There's a lot of things you can guess. And then when Jesus did show up, Lazarus has been in the tomb four days and one of my favorite King James translation is, Jesus, we don't think you want to go in there because he stinketh. You know, I see one of my favorite verses in the old Bible. He stinketh, you know, he's, he's not doing well. And Jesus is standing in going, no, no, I think I will walk into that tomb and I think I will walk into the middle of this. And, and everyone around him, both in scripture, as you read it in the scripture and as you saw it, if you watched the Bible last week, they are torn apart. They're struggling. They're hurting. Mary and Martha are all in tears and they're going, you know, where were you, Jesus? Why didn't you step into this moment? He's going, there's a bigger story. There's an eternal story that's going on here. And I'm just going to show you a little snapshot of that story. And see, I, I love my little Barney imagination because my eldest child and second child forced me to grow up with Barney. And so I can run and have imagination moments. I don't see this in the scripture, but flip the scenario. You know, not where Mary and Martha are and all the friends and Jesus is walking in and they're pulling the tombstones away and he stinketh. Let's go to the other side of that equation where Lazarus is literally in this moment four days in heaven. I mean, he's, he's singing and, and, and with all of his heart and he's up there booming out and he's not singing like Baptists sing. And it's so much better than that. Like millions upon millions are around the throne. There are elders that are crackling around the throne. They're crying out, holy, 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 are you Lord God Almighty? And it's not, get, get this, and he's looking around going, nobody just told us to stand. Where's the choir dude, you know? That's not happening in heaven. Nobody told us to kneel in that moment. No, no. We're responding to the majesty and the wonder of the living God. And they are crying out before him. And, and I mean, he's walking streets of gold. I know those are good songs we sing at funerals or running around. Our, no, no. He's walking streets of gold for four days. All around the throne of God, there are these crashes of lightning and these peals of thunder. And there's these creative beings that read about, that we read about in the book of Revelation who are shouting of the goodness of God. And it is anything but as staid as we've been today. And it is just this wonder. And then in the middle of all that, I don't know what four days looks like in heaven, you know? I don't think you're looking at a clock. I'll just be really honest with you. And I think that Lazarus, on the other side of that, heard Jesus say, Lazarus, I mean, piercing through the amazing wonder of heaven, hears these words, Lazarus, come out. And I, I know that many of us have buried people we love dearly. And I just want you to maybe have your picture of the other side. I believe Lazarus' response, knowing that he was going to be obedient to the King of glory, Jesus Messiah, his answer was still, No! Are you kidding me? I don't know if you've ever put yourself on the other side of the story. He may stinketh in the earth, but he is reveling in heaven. I mean, he is in the middle. Get this. Jesus is showing that he's the resurrection and life to a few people who see dimly. He is living the resurrection and life, living in the middle of this unbelievable, beautiful wonder of worship. And Jesus is going, Lazarus, I don't know how many times he had to call him. I'm telling you, come out. Lazarus, finally, I think I can just picture him. I just get 
stupid in my imagination. I'm seeing him holding on to the gates of heaven going, no! And they're going, that pearl's slick, dude. Water the pearl. You know, I mean, just spray it down. He can't hold on. And so, I mean, here he comes back in and he's looking. And, and, and the scripture tells us this, that we're seeing through a lens dimly on this planet. And these little moments that God gives us, these great and sacred moments when we, like the team from Haiti, are just standing in and saying, we see you for who you are, God. We see you for what you're doing on this planet. When you have that moment when you just are in the middle of God and you're singing a song to Him and you have this glimpse of heaven, we get dim moments. And I can imagine Lazarus as he walked back in, he opened his eyes and he looked at the incarnation of God himself. Jesus Christ has said, I am kind of glad to see you, but I would rather have you join me there. Because remember, that was this was the one who, in Philippians 2, he emptied himself of all of who he was so that he could give all of what we need here at Easter. And so Lazarus is looking at him and saying, look, I am so thankful that your resurrection in life and I I don't know the rest of the story and that's the part that I just want to lead into I know somebody that does and I want to read two verses to say I don't I, and I would love this wouldn't you love this to be able to pick up a parallel record like Josephus in his historical writings and say here's what Lazarus did for the rest of his days I don't have that I don't know where he landed for the rest of his days, but here's what I do know. I think, I I do know this. I don't think this. When people have experienced the resurrected Christ, it changes everything. I don't get that from Lazarus, but I get the resurrection from Lazarus. I get hope from Lazarus. But here's reality. Jesus, not Jesus, Lazarus walked for a little while on this planet and he died again. And he went back to where, I mean, get this. He had zero fear of death, by the way. I mean, he was good with this and going, God, to be absent from the body is to be present with you. Can you imagine his heart torn for the rest of his days as he walked this planet saying, God, to be with you in the fullness and yet to live with critical purpose every day that I walk this planet. That's my message for Easter for you in this room is to just ask you, do you live as if the resurrection and the life has come to you? Because unlike Lazarus, who was physically dead and was physically resurrected from the dead, that's not going to be us. But like Lazarus, who was spiritually dead as well and was resurrected from the dead, that is most of us in this room. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. And Jesus, by his very grace and mercy, stepped into the middle of our death and breathed life into us. He didn't come into our heart. He didn't come into our story. He stepped in and made a new story with a new heart for a great gospel to live for that for the rest of our days. And that caused us to live for purpose and wouldn't you love to be able to tag around Lazarus for a while? I mean, he'd be sitting around to his stories go, no, seriously, seriously, that was happening. Like, when we would rise up, I would sing like this, holy, holy. It was better than that. That was awful. And then he would start over and go, it sounds so much better with millions, you know? And I mean, he would be looking at them and telling all of these stories and going, you have to know. And he had such legitimacy. And, and the question is to you. And you have to know where you were apart from Christ and Easter people. You have to know what Jesus did. It is not a simply a good story. It is the reality of the resurrected Christ in us, our hope of glory. And so I had to look and say, okay, so let me find someone who is deeply passionate about the resurrection and find two or three things that I think would amplify in Lazarus' life, amplified in Paul's life, and will amplify in ours as well. And I found in verses um, 3, 10 through 11 of the book of 
Philippians, if you want to read with me. I just, I just have three things you should be about the rest of your days. At, at Easter? No, no. I have three things you should be about the rest of your life. And just chasing these things and saying, God, I want to be about these things. Um, this is written by a guy who has, has been resurrected spiritually. It's written by a guy named Paul who said, look, I, I mean, this whole verse is, I'm not going to read them all. I just want to read chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, and maybe maybe go back just a moment in one of my thoughts to a verse prior. But what basically he's saying, and, and, and a lot of you in this room are in the same boat as Paul. I mean, you're here because somebody invited you. You're here because this is Easter. You're here for a variety of reasons. And Paul would say, look, look, I've, I've done it all. A lot of you in this room are chasing varying titles and varying things and varying gradations of importance. And Paul would say, I've attained it all. And in these verses, he would say, look, I want you to know that in the economy of life, I have gained an understanding that everything is lost except for this surpassing greatness, which is to know Jesus Christ. And they just come to you as a people who are resurrected, say, if this is what we could be about, we would spend our days well. And Paul says in chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, this is all I want to do. I want by faith to know him. Listen to this. This is Easter word. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to share in his sufferings. And I want to become like him in his death. This is the little Easter bunny message for you. I'm inviting you to come and die with Christ. So you can be made alive for the fullness of what he has. But by every means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And I think Paul just rolls in and says, there's just a couple of things that I think you should spend the rest of your days about. I think I can say these three things in just a few minutes. I think, I think first he's looking, he's saying to us, I, I just want you to know that you should be vibrant in your passion for intimacy with Christ. And he just looks and he says, peel away everything else. Peel away all of life. Here's what I want to be about. And maybe, could you fill this in? I want to know Christ. And that Greek word is such a great word. It's not know about him. It's not sit in an Easter service. It is not put on your Sunday best. It is God by an experience with you. Day in and day out. Walking in intimacy with you. I want to know you. I want to know what it means to walk with you as you walk the streets. I want to know what it means to walk with the lens of who you are as I look at through this life. Jesus Christ, there is nothing that I can gain on this earth that will compare to the surpassing greatness of knowing you. And I want to spend the rest of my days in vibrant intimacy with you. So what about you? I mean, that's like, oh, wow, that's exciting, Pastor. I mean, it just literally means to say, God, I want to know you. I was listening to the story just a minute ago, the story that our Haiti teams, and I don't, I just, I heard this story when they were in Haiti, and it broke my heart. Because I was thinking, God, the story of the lady who was battling breast cancer, and she rolls in to translate, isn't our God great? That he could connect a bunch of Americans to fly over to Haiti, land in Port-au-Prince, jump on a bus that should take 45 minutes and takes four hours, and get over into the cabaret house, hang around there for a while, decide they're going to use Sky the curriculum. Sky the curriculum is actually going to tell them you should trust God no matter what. They're going to actually have then that happening on our side going on. And then on their side, they're going to have a person who believes that they know the single person who should translate for us because God cares in that kind of economy. And people that want to know him love stuff like that. 
And so that person finally gets contacted, rolls in. We're talking about a scripture and the person's hearing the scripture. We're talking about faith in God. The person who hears about faith in God who is battling breast cancer in that moment. And in the middle of all that, the centurion just says, we believe that God can heal. The person translates it, stops right there and simply has a worship encounter for a significant amount of time because the word of God is alive to her. That's, that, that's, this isn't a sermon. This is Jesus who wants to know us. Jesus who cares intimately about us, who will join us in that. And the running question, I actually wrote this on their Facebook page when they were there. I said, when is the last time you or I were reading scripture and it invoked worship in our lives? When we just stopped and paused and said, oh God, you are fill in the blank. No, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing here in America. I think we're just reading it and going, I did my plan for the day. You know, I'm, I'm in the new plan, so I'm reading the I'm first time ever. I'm venturing through the online plan. I'm pretty excited about it. Checked off the plan. I'm a checker. And so I checked six boxes yesterday of my readings. I'm just, just asking myself this question, Mark. When was the last time you were so intimate with God that in the middle of that reading, you just saw God and you heard him speak and you just stopped and for 12 times, you just stopped and said, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! You are God. You are a good God. God's asking us for a vibrant intimacy with him. I was watching, I love the translation of um, Daniel in the Bible the week before last on the History Channel. And um, I was watching it, and I love Daniel as he was preparing to be thrown into the lion's den. And, and this is maybe my closing question for you at this point. As he's preparing, um, Darius has decreed that no one can pray for 30 days. This line has sunk so deeply in my soul, I don't know what to do with it. Daniel said, I do not think I can live without talking to my father. He had a little creative license. It's not exactly like that in Daniel, the sixth chapter, but his heart is. And I just, I just wondered how, here's what I would say of myself just to be vulnerable. I think I can live without talking to my father and that's killing me. And I don't think that spiritually. I know in my heart I want to be different, but I think I demonstrate it by my experience every day as I ignore my father. What Daniel was saying in that verse is, I would rather physically die than spiritually live without my dad my heavenly father. Vibrant intimacy. That's what Jesus is inviting us into. He's inviting us in to say, I want to know you. And I think he's inviting us into a consumed identity. I love in verses um, 8 and 9, Paul says, it is for the sake of Christ, I count everything lost to know Christ. I've lost everything that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which comes from faith in Christ. Just an identity that is lost in Jesus Christ. Just saying, God, I love you and I love what you're about. An identity that says, I am weighted by who God is. I am redeemed by the power of God. I am resurrected to new life in Christ. I am robed in the goodness of Jesus Christ. I am, get this, get this. I have been adopted in the family of Jesus Christ. I have been set apart by God Almighty. I have been justified eternally in Him. That's who I am. I mean, I walk around and we've robed up today. Once again, it's Easter and I'm not knocking it. You just dressed very nice today. And it's Easter. Get this. Here's some better news for you than what you put on in your wardrobe. You are robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's such an identity that he wants to cover us in and to say, look, this is who you are. 
This is what you're about. This is, this is what has to define you. When I, when I was um, growing up, particularly, I don't know why I said that we don't do this, Susan, with our two little ones, but we used to always ask our early ones, how big are you? How big are you? And I remember they would always answer this. They would, they would, they would throw their arms up and they would say, we are, thank you. You've done this before. A few of you have. So I would look at them and say, how big are you? And they would go, we are so big. And we were, I mean, this is, this is a great question to ask kids because I was looking at my kids and saying, you may be in stature so small, but we believe so much about you. We believe that so much is going to happen with you. This is not a scientifically proven question that you should use in every situation. For instance, if someone says to you, i.e. your spouse, how do my hips look in this gene? Your answer is not, yeah, no, that doesn't go over very well at all. Scratch that one. But I wonder, as we have our identity just consumed in God, as, as, as I look at you, I would want you to be able to say, how big is your God? You are consumed in Him. You are adopted by Him. You're redeemed in Him. You are robed in Him. You are covered in Him. You are purposed in Him. You walk fully in Him. You are seated in the heavenly realms in Him. You are given every spiritual blessing in Him. How big is your God? And we would look and just say, God, I'm not just cute thing with my kids, but with my actions, you are so big. And I want to walk around this earth living like guys like Daniel who just say, look, I believe that God can, can rescue me in the middle of the den of lions. And we live there. I think we ask these big questions to say, you are a big God because here's where we want to live. And this is where I love Paul. And I maybe put two verses together. I think we live with an intimacy with God because our identity is in God, and we live in an insurrection for the sake of Christ. Paul said, I will suffer gladly even to the point of death. If you're reading with Colossians, all of you Mandarin folks, we're wandering through Colossians, we'll get there next week. As you're reading through Colossians, when he is saying, I will bear up the afflictions of the cross, he has nothing to add to the cross, but there are afflictions on this planet, and God is calling us to step in as the redeemed people of God, to be the glory of God, and to walk throughout this planet for the sake of God, and to say, God, we live with a glorious insurrection at the core of who we are. I wrote down the direction so you would go, what is he saying? An insurrection, by the way, is an uprising, a revolt. Something that so passionately consumes us that it changes everything. I'm just just inviting you in, Easter people, to an insurrection. To a glorious revolt to say, hey God, as we meet together on this planet, it doesn't make sense to us that in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, there are people starving to death and we're about to go eat a lot. We should do something about that. It doesn't make sense to us that refugees live... 10 miles from us and they desperately need the gospel and apartments are filled with them. We should be an Easter people who live with insurrection hearts for the sake of your fame. It doesn't make sense to us that every 16 seconds someone will die of malnutrition while we sing songs of the resurrection. I'm just wondering the question that has penetrated my heart all week is what redemption is happening in the world because the resurrection has happened within you. I believe that's what God is calling us to as a church, is to say, hey God, this isn't, oh, I get to be in Mandarin and hang out for a while and we're sitting in these pews. This is a call to the glory of God and to flesh out that glory. I mean, it's it's happening all over the place here. I, I just I jotted down thoughts and just 
what's going on in our city. I mean, like right now, uh, in our fellowship, there are people who are vesting themselves in the 80-plus people groups in our city and just saying, we think that God has called us to a glorious insurrection, and it matters. And there, there are families I can catch eyes with right now who are in the middle of the adoptive process, and this church is going to be full of beautiful children who were once homeless but are no more because there's a glorious insurrection happening. There are people here week in and week out who pour the gospel of Christ into the hearts and lives of our own students and children because God has created an insurrection in their souls. There are people who sing who just let us in worship and they sing every week because God has created an insurrection in their souls. There are people who just got back from Haiti who can't wait to get there again because God has created a glorious insurrection in their souls. I'm looking at the friends who are who are mentoring a kid who doesn't have a mom and dad because and he lives here in America and there is a glorious insurrection in their souls. So they go and they live and move in D. I'm just inviting you into that. I end I end this message this way. I love I love Ryan Ship. And Ryan Ship was talking to me this week. Ryan is our students pastor and missions pastor and, and we were sitting Monday or Tuesday, there he is, and, and the dude said, Mark, I just had a dream last night. I'm like, All right. What was it? <laughs> he said it was the best dream, man. It was awesome. I'm like, Okay. So we went and ate and we talked about the dream and he said, Like I was standing up and I was I don't know what it is. I was like, dude, you do the welcome so well. He's like, seriously? I said, yeah, I mean, I feel very welcomed when you're doing the welcome. He said, well, listen to my dream, man. I was doing the welcome at Mandarin, and I was telling everybody, we're so glad you're here. And people just started at the welcome, just started kind of sharing God's transforming stories. This is a dream, by the way, this legitimate dream. You're asleep, right? Okay, and so there's, I mean, if I get it wrong, you just feel free to jump in and say, hey, that wasn't a part of my dream. But, um, I mean, people are like telling their stories of what God is doing in their lives, and it's powerful. And they're just kind of sharing and sharing and sharing, and, you know, somebody's got a story about Haiti, somebody's got a story about this, somebody's got a story about that, somebody's got a story about that. And finally, I love this part of his dream, he said, there's one couple that raised their hands. And they just stood up and they said, look, we want to tell you that we are so sorry. We just haven't allowed God the freedom to be who he wants to be in our lives this week. We are so broken by that, and we just want to repent of that, and we just want to get back in the groove because all of you seem to be about this great thing that God is doing. And I said to him, I said, look, this we're in real life now, so I'm talking again. I said, look, that wasn't a dream. That was prophecy, my brother. You are speaking it. I cannot wait to be a part of a fellowship that is looking throughout. And when we roll in here on Sunday, because that's a New Testament church, it's not to come get your tank filled on Sunday, bless God. I don't know who's ever cranked that one up. Sunday is rolling in when the church has been about Jesus all week long. And there is a mass celebration throughout the church as we are just storing the greatness of God. And maybe some of us will walk in and say, we haven't been in the middle of it and it breaks our hearts and we are so sorry. And please, God, forgive us. For you have called us to an intimacy that is unequivocal. And you have called us to an identity that is wrapped up in you. And God, you came to bind the brokenhearted, to set the captive free, to speak truth to the prisoners. And so God, we are in an insurrection and our lives have been anything but. Forgive us. Yeah. That would be a church to fill with Easter people. 
So happy Easter. Not the bunny's going to hop and kids are going to smile this afternoon. Happy Easter to a church. It is a glorious church for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ and advances that forward with every fiber of our being. That's our prayer. That's our passion. So welcome to Mandarin. Maybe bigger than that. Welcome to Jesus, alive among us, resurrected, hope-filled, and passion-focused. Let's pray. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Come awake, Lord. Wake us up for the sake of your gospel and for the hope of who you are. Jesus, we praise you for this day. We praise you for an Easter day to come and celebrate your resurrection. And more importantly, Jesus, we come to you and ask you to be alive among us, to be um, beautiful to us, to be the desire of our soul. God, I pray that there will be an intimacy that is developing among us. I pray that there will be an identity that is deeply finding root in our soul. And God, I pray for a holy insurrection to happen in this place as our hearts and lives are moved toward you. God, I pray that that Ryan's dream will become reality. That God, you will find a group of people whose life is purposed for the sake of your glory. And I pray this in the hope and the passionate name of Jesus Christ. I praise you, God, for your resurrection and hope. And in that name, I pray and we hope. And everyone said, amen. Hey, listen, we're going to sing a song to close.